Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up guys, Coach Steve here, and welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Tim Coakley, our third place finalist in the October M Challenge. Tim, how you doing, mate? I'm good, how are you? I'm, I'm really well and I'm excited Tim. I'm excited to have you back on the podcast for the third time Tim. I think that set a brand new record for the Challenge podcast, uh, the first guest to, to join us for the third time. But mate, look, just a few, de- few weeks ago, you found out that you took out third place in the October M Challenge. How has the past couple of weeks been like for you? Uh, yeah, been, they've been pretty good, obviously, leading up to Christmas and uh, relaxing a bit more towards the end of the year with family and friends. But um, being third place, I, I was quite surprised. I didn't expect it. Um, I just wanted to do the challenge to get bit, back into a bit more of a routine rather than be rewarded for any of my achievements. But uh, yeah, it was, it's been good. Well, look, you should be so proud of the effort that you've, that you've put in. Uh, but look, Tim, I know a little bit about you having done uh, two different podcasts with you in the past first one with um your partner tara uh, and the second one we talked a lot about being a, a good scientist which was a really fun fun episode um but look would you like to start us off by giving us a little bit of an introduction about yourself maybe telling um, some of our listeners um who you are who maybe haven't checked out the previous podcast of yourself um you know what you do for work and and i guess guess who is tim okay uh so obviously yes this is my third podcast but um just a little bit about me uh, my name obviously is tim I'm 38 years old. Uh, I'm a high school teacher. Um, so Steve alluded to the scientist background. So I, I do have a science um, degree, uh, but I obviously teach high school science primarily uh, to boys. Um, it's an all boys school. And I, I guess from my perspective and um, from training, I always, from that scientific angle, I'm always tweaking and trying different things just to see how my body will react. Um, in 2018, I was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. Um, I've had two stem cell transplants and I guess the science around everything really engages me and uh, I really look forward to obviously different training programs, different ways to see how my body reacts to stimuli. No, I love that. I love that approach and it really is that um trial and error in a, in a way, especially when we're talking about our bodies, because we can look at science as a, as a broad, um, you know, tool to help us guide and point us as a compass, you know, to guide us in how we approach our training and nutrition. And a lot of science is determined off, you know, broad averages. You know, we have a thousand people in a study. We work out the average saying, oh, okay, there's a, a net positive to this on average. But when we look at like the broader data, we can see that it might be a bit of a, a spread or a distribution of that information. And we go, well, you know, on average, there's a, a, a slight positive to this or a slight negative to this. But for me as an individual, I might need to test it out to see if I where, where I sit on that distribution. So, you know, there is that time and place where we need to go, well, oh, I need to try this, test this out. And it's great that you have this scientific background and it really comes across in, in your transformation, which is something you should be very proud of, Tim. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, when people ask about how you transform or how you train I don't think there's a set rule or a set uh, menu as such that's going to benefit everyone. So I think, you know, being aware of your different variables, being aware of what's working, what's not, that's what something 
you have to to look at. And I see regular posts on my wife's Facebook about people, you know, throwback Thursdays and things like that. And it's good to take those photographs and measurements because it shows you whether or not what you're doing is is actually is actually working. No, I, I love that. I love that. Well, look, Tim, let's, let's jump into it. So, you know, talking about your experience with training nutrition with the challenge over the years, having placed in our top 10 three times and taking our top top three, uh, I think twice now, um, can you speak about, let's start with something like training over the past two years, uh, how has maybe your approach to training uh, modified or changed or, or, or adapted over that time? And, you know, can you offer us any, any insights in your own individual experience? And, you know, just to preface, it's, you know, we're talking about the case study of Tim right now. So if you're listening to this saying, oh, I, I need to do this, hold on, take, take a moment. But like, Tim, let's talk about you. How has your training changed over the years? Uh, it's definitely, I think it, as, as I keep going back to that science angle, it, it changes all the time. I, I mean, I don't, uh, stick to one sort of program, uh, regularly for more than say five, six weeks. Uh, it'll always change. Yes. The body parts that I'm training are the same, but, uh, the movement changes, uh, probably, you know, pre challenge pre-sickness i may have gone maybe you know once or twice a week if that um i was playing football for a while so i didn't spend a lot of time in the gym uh but post uh, 2019 challenge i uh i probably go quite regularly and being a school teacher fortunately uh, i have access to a school gym so and also i also have a gym membership um and they're fairly close by so I really start, I really like starting my day with a gym session. Uh, and most most weeks I'll get in, you know, five sessions a week during the school term. School holidays a little bit more different because I've got uh, two young children. So um, they take uh, my time, um, which is obviously always a good thing. And it's a different form of exercise. It's not lifting weights around. It's throwing kids in a pool. It's I'm going for walks, it's going for a bike ride and things like that. But in general, my training changes from, you know, every four, five, six weeks um, just to see how my body will respond. Uh, so, some days, uh, some parts of the year, generally, you know, people say it's bulking season, all that sort of stuff. But during winter, I tend to do more compound strength training, um, which means basically progressive overload say on a bench press or uh deadlifts or things like that um and then go down to maybe two three reps and record obviously the weights i'm doing to see if i can progressively overload over that five six week block coming into uh the warmer months i tend to hit those more hypertrophy ranges of maybe eight to twelve reps maybe even more uh i tend to start with maybe a compound lift but then move over to those more those accessory movements so i think from the challenge perspective i picked up lots of different exercises i can do and i tend uh, to do ones that are going to i'm going to get the most benefit from with uh, movement and things like that so for example you know sometimes uh, students will ask and boys teenage boys obviously this day they're saturated with things on body image and they'll sort of ask questions and um they'll say oh you know uh, your legs look good sir how do you 
do you do squats and things like that? And they're surprised when I say I don't do squats purely because uh, I've got a really bad left hip and I can't really get deep enough and it impinges and things like that. So I work around that. I do things like lunges and um, unfortunately at school we've got the, there's some really, really old machines. Um, so I've got like a single leg leg press, uh, which I can get deep enough as opposed to doing a squat and things like that. So uh, yeah, my training constantly changes, uh, but I tend to have a program written out um, maybe just on a Google Doc or what have you in, in a table, nice and simple. Um, and just I just tr I like to track what I'm doing. I like to measure what I'm doing uh, and then go from there, really. Uh, I guess why I did this challenge was more so because I was still uh, training, still tracking my weights and things like that, but the diet wasn't there. So that's why I decided to obviously sign up for that six week and see what I could do in six weeks as opposed to a 12-week challenge. Yeah, I hear you. Where you know when we're when we're training, we fall in love with training. We get we're deep into the 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 training area, but then sometimes we need like a something to work towards, right? And maybe that's the the challenge. Maybe some folk go and do a, a bodybuilding show, or maybe they've got a, an event coming up. I don't know, they're getting married or something. We need something to to work towards, and that's when we can kind of hone in and you know get into that 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 shape like we did in the challenge. Um, but look, before we move away from from training, I want to first ask. You know, we talked a lot about how your training changes every like four to six weeks, maybe every meso cycle or something similar. Could you speak about what stayed similar between your training programs? Maybe similar exercises you talked about, maybe like the bigger movements, like a, a bench press, or maybe the same types of machines, like the single leg leg press. Like you talked a lot about how it changes a lot, but what would you say was a consistent thread amongst your different training programs that you followed? So the consistent thread would more likely be your bigger compound lifts for me anyway. Uh, like, as I said, I'm fortunate to have a school gym, but the school gym is still limited in the types of uh, machines they've got. So pretty much it's just all free weights. So it's bar, uh, barbells and dumbbells. So there'll be times where uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm getting sick of the movement. It's more of I want to change things up and access my actual uh, public gym and utilize machines and things like that. So within those little cycles, I will still stick to certain compound lifts. Uh, so, you know, as I said, bench press, um, uh, barbell, back row, um, deadlifts. Uh, I like the single leg, leg press at school. Uh, those types of movements. Um, but then, for example, in that block at at school, I'll be doing uh, lunges. Um, they don't really have a leg extension. They don't have a hamstring curl, things like that. Uh, I'll be doing stiff leg uh, dumbbell for my hamstrings and things like that. So after that four or five weeks, I'll be getting sort of sick of those. Or, you know, Bulgarian split squats, I'll be getting sick of those. So then I'll do a, more of a block, a leg block at my gym where I can access machines um, Smith machine, things like that to, uh, I want to say get bored because there's certain exercises and I'm sure people can relate that you sort of go, this one really sucks. Uh, I need a little bit of a break from it. Um, and you know, go more to a machine. Um, and I've read a few things, obviously there's a, a myriad of information on online and that's why it can be overwhelming. But I guess if you're stimulating that muscle, I 
I've read a few things that regardless of uh, whether it's a barbell, dumbbell, machine, the result should be s fairly similar. Um, so I guess that means, you know, if you're activating your quads in a certain way, it doesn't really matter what machine, barbell, dumbbell is, you're still going to get similar, somewhat similar results, somewhat. Obviously, there's many other variables to consider, but in general movement, I think that's sort of what I'm going for. So tend when I'm into, I want to tend to go to more machine things. It's more of a mental freight and it's obviously quicker to work out for me anyway with machines rather than loading up barbells and things like that. So, you know, I might be time poor at work or what have you in or at home and a machine workout tends to knock off 15 minutes or so from a training session. So it all just depends on where I'm, what I'm feeling and what I'm trying to do in that little five, six week block to determine whether or not uh, the movement I make. But in general, the general rule for me is always a similar compound movement. Might just change position of hands. Um, but then the rest of those accessory or, you know, supplementary movements, still targeting the same muscle group, but just a different maybe range of motion or moving from dumbbells to a cable or things like that. Yeah, I like those uh, kind of smaller changes. So it sounds like your um, kind of framework of training isn't changing too much. You might choose, let's say, four or five exercises. You, you may be aiming for a similar rep range, um, training similar muscle groups. So you're kind of like the bones of your program is stay similar, but then you kind of alternate the different exercises. Does that sound like what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Or even just maybe think sometimes I'll go into a block of, you know, that traditional sort of bodybuilding, chest day, back day, arms, quads, hamstrings. And then after that, maybe, you know, anywhere, anywhere between five to 10 weeks of alternating those exercises, I might do a block where I'm going, oh, I'm going to do whole body. So that will include, you know, in one session, chest, back, legs, shoulders, arms, abs type thing. So sometimes I go into blocks of, uh, uh, part, uh, body part specific and sometimes I do whole body just depends on um, how I'm feeling I tend to find whole body obviously and as has been mentioned on in podcasts and through the M challenge and um, that whole body is a little bit you can recover a little bit better or I can anyway um, because you can go pretty hard on that one body part for the, you know those four working sets or three working sets what have you and move to the next yeah yeah, no, I, I, I like that. And I think there is some uh, like limitations in around this like like intermediate lifter, someone who's been training, they're a bit more than a beginner and they maybe not might not be like that super advanced athlete, like this intermediate person where they're constantly changing their program. And I mean, constantly changing their program where almost every day is like a, a not only just different exercises, it's a completely different framework, completely different like structure. Um, and there's this balance between having some consistency so that we can apply the stimulus, apply tension to our muscle to elicit uh, growth or change in our, you know, system of our body. But then there's a point where we adapt to that stimulus where we need to make a change. And usually that is around, you know, maybe that, that month or so, six weeks or so, where we kind of transition and maybe we 
make that small change where instead of doing a dumbbell, you use cables. Instead of using a machine, you go to back to a barbell, then you go back to a machine. You make those small changes just to make the stimulus still challenging, so that it stimulates growth, stimulates adaptation, um, and that we're not being too consistent or too chop and changing so that it can still be a challenging program, which it sounds like you have created this like sophisticated system where you can see progress over time. Um, but I, I want to take a moment to ask you about your ex exercise selection. Um, so you kind of mentioned that you would choose an exercise, maybe do it for four or five weeks or your block. Um, and then you kind of maybe get bored of it or get over it and you choose an, another exercise. How are you choosing your exercises? Do you kind of lean towards certain maybe favorite exercises? Do you have kind of a system where you go, oh, I really like the single leg leg press as an example, because I get a really crazy pump in my quads or it feels really nice on my hip. Like how are you choosing your exercises in your program? So the bulk of my training would be at the school gym. So it would be limited to, as I said, primarily barbells and dumbbells. There is a cable um, machine and there is a Smith machine, but the Smith machine has got no, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. Given it, it's just basically a bar running on a tracks, and that's how old it is. So, my selection is based on where I train, uh, and obviously through the the challenge and things like that. In previous challenges I've done, they've they've got heaps of uh, video tutorials and things like that. So I can try to see how I can adapt some uh, movements to what I've got or in that case, if I don't have access to a certain machine, then I have to obviously swap it out for something else. Um, so selection comes down primarily to my environment. Uh, and then of course, it's the same thing in a public gym. So you, I sometimes have, have in my head um, that I want to do X, Y, and Z, and I'll get there and there'll only be, you know, three or four people in the gym and they'll be doing X, Y, and Z. So then I have to adapt to I'm not the type of person that's going to sort of loiter around and wait for a machine or what have you. So I have to adapt that way. So I always have in my head primarily, or not in my head, I have it actually written down, but I have uh, primarily what body part or what I want to train. And as I said, knowing that it doesn't necessarily fully matter what I'm using. Um, it's just to target that body part. So how I select basically, as I said, I'll sort of pre, I have to pre-plan. I don't walk in aimlessly and go, oh, today I'm going to do chess. And then I get there and go, oh, what I'm going to do. It's more so uh, I've got my, obviously my initial movement, primarily the compound movement first, and then go into those secondary accessory movements. Uh, and I'll have that written out. And obviously school gym, I have, there's no one really in there. So I can, I don't have to worry about, um, a lineup or what have you for a machine or what have you, I can pretty much get in and get it done. Uh, I think that sort of answers your question. Yeah. 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 So it sounds like it primarily driven by like environmental logistical reasons. Um, and surely you have some, some of your, your more favorite exercises that you like to do more, right? Yes. So uh, yeah, like I, I sort of like after this is a while ago, um, 
don't know, I was just talking to my wife and she said, uh, is one of your legs bigger than the other? And I had, obviously you don't really notice these things and then and in bodybuilding and any any sort of thing, you sort of like, well, there's obviously people love symmetry, but it's almost impossible. Um, but um, I did take measurements. I'm like, oh yeah, well, obviously the, my hip that um, is I got osteoarthritis. That was a smaller quad, and I was, that's why I started really liking the single leg leg press at work because I could try and really get that muscle mind connection and get my left side going more. And that's probably why I like lunges as well, because I can do more um, bilateral work because I think I was probably sort of, uh, I sort of went, not didn't, didn't go down a rabbit hole, but I sort of with legs, it more became unilateral as opposed to bilateral movement um, while you get your upper body and you're doing a combination of both. So I think, you know, with that injury, you're with you doing a lot of unilateral work. Your your stronger side's sort of taking over, protecting that, um, well, that lack of movement, that sort of impingement in in my hip. So I started doing a lot more. I was consciously doing a lot more unilateral work with legs, um, and even higher volume, not necessarily higher volume, well, yeah, higher volume, a couple more reps on the left hand side than the right hand side, just to see if it would eventually catch up. And it has to a degree. Obviously, as I said, there's always imperfections. There's no symmetry. But um, that was another target of mine during the year when that was sort of indirectly pointed out to me. Um, so I was like, oh, thanks. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. So taking measurements and things like that. And just I have little targets. And I, I remember messaging the forum before the app about obviously back getting more of that V taper and trying to get my lats going because obviously I was taking probably more so my biceps were taking over in a lot of back movements and trying to activate that. And again, sort of problem solving, which exercises really target those muscle groups. Cause obviously textbook, everyone's muscles underneath the textbook the same, but they're in, I don't know, scientifically, I should, I should know this, but they're not. I don't think, um, and I have to, uh, you know, you have to find mo movements that really target or activate those as opposed to the ones that you don't want to target. Yeah. So I guess we can firstly thank, uh, thank Tara for your, your <laughs> more balanced legs is the first thing we can do. Yeah. Um, well, I want to, I want to ask about your, your back training then. Uh, how has that been? You know, it's been a few years of, of dabbling and testing out a few different things. Like, have you seen improvements? Um, what have you done to, to, to try to change it? Like, well, how has that been? I, uh, have seen small improvement. Uh, I probably, you know, after this reflection, reflected on this challenge, I sort of, you know, I contemplated, I've contemplated actually, um, entering comps and things like that. Uh, but back to the original question, I, I started tweaking things and trying to find movements that really sort of not necessarily isolate because obviously your back's huge with a number of different muscle groups, but try to really target um, lats. And previously I probably would have been doing like an overhand barbell row, um, but I found underhand works a lot better for me and uh, activation of my lats and I can sort of draw it up and hold it, I guess, 
better than an overhand grip. Uh, also with dumbbell rows. So going back to your, your basic back movements, I was probably, I was drawing it up too close to sort of my uh, pec, I guess. So if you're hanging in your dumbbell row, I was bringing it more up to my chest as opposed to sort of, I don't know what the movement would be called, uh, more of an arching sort of movement. So if that sort of makes sense and drawing my elbow up. So I really started dropping the weight back down, uh, dropping the weight back down. So going lighter to then utilize obviously first free weights. Cause as I said, the school gyms, primarily free weights just to see how to activate them more so. And then uh, progressively work from there and then find machines and hand angles and grips to find which target uh the lats more i wouldn't say i'm you know genetically blessed with obviously uh, a big big back but um it's a slow work in progress and i found with underhand i can also obviously yes your bicep can take over a bit with an underhand grip uh but i found that i can go uh heavier and i also can go uh, i can hold it at the top of the range of motion for you know that split second or if i'm going lighter even for a whole second just to really squeeze the fibers so it's been slow but it indirectly under under above indirectly from that original conversation with you i have been consciously trying to manipulate every single time just to see how to really activate the lats because i think they're for me there's something that they're not, they're sort of a challenge to switch on when I'm in that, uh, in those uh, movements. So I can activate, you know, obviously your biceps and um, around your rhomboid, that area and your traps and things like that. But it's getting my lats to really take over the moment, the movement, not necessarily, sorry, take over is probably not the right word, but get involved and help with the lift. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think back training can be really challenging, especially like you said at the start, when you're training your back, I mean, there's like 30 different muscles where we're talking about from the, the lats to the rear delts to the rhomboids, the traps, the, you know, the rotator cuff, cuff group are trying to get involved as well. The erector spinae is there being like, hey guys, I'm, I'm here too. So like there's so many muscles involved there. If you want to go down a bit of a rabbit hole, um, you know, lat training became really popular over the last six to 12 months. Um, mainly driven by a coach, Coach Kassem on, on Instagram from N1 Training. And, you know, he kind of goes through different um, sections of the lats. You know, you have the iliac fibers, the lumbar fibers, the thoracic fibers, how to delineate that between the, um, you know, rear delts and stuff. So if you want to go in a bit of a rabbit hole, go check, check him out. Um, but I think there's the balance between really deep in the rabbit hole, off into Alice in Wonderland, or you've got to pull yourself back in and go, okay, what are the basic things I can do? I can stick with the, 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 you know, really popular and standard exercises. You've got horizontal rows from, you know, bent over rows, single arm rows, uh, seated rows, rowing patterns. And then you've got vertical pulls, you know, you've got the lap pull downs, chin ups, those types of things. What can we change with those uh, exercises? Yeah. Okay. We can change the equipment, dumbbell, barbell, machine cables, and we can also change the hand grips. Like you said, you've tried. So, you know, simply going from overhand to underhand, could be like the light bulb moment going, oh, I can feel it now. Wow, I get this massive pump. It's, it's, I, I, I have a, a lat muscle now. Um, and it sounds like you're, you're on, on your way, which is, which is awesome to see. 
Now, Tim, I want to uh, pivot a little bit and talk a little bit, bit about nutrition. You said earlier that maybe uh, training was was going well, but you just needed to dial yourself back in with your approach to, to food. Can you speak a little bit about how, um, how it went for you, how your nutrition went, how your dieting went for the October challenge? Yeah, it was uh, obviously mentally I knew it was for a six-week block. So it's uh, for me, it was a lot easier than... 12 weeks I'm sure my wife would disagree with when I was hangry but uh <laughs> um but yeah uh, for me I like probably in that close to two years between challenges it wasn't necessarily like you know a massive binge or anything like that but consciously I knew that I was having more calories than I was obviously expending so it just over over time um and everyone loves food. It was just that, that you know, I knew, you know, sitting down watching a game of football, having a bag of chips or whatever, was always going to tip me over um, my calories for the day. But And, you know, if you put that across close to two years, obviously everyone knows what happens uh, happened in the last two years. It obviously all adds up. And my nutrition for – I I understand – Obviously, calorie deficit. I understand calories in, calories out. It was just making that conscious effort for that six-week challenge to to stick to it uh, and to obviously lose that weight that I probably had gained over the last couple of years. It wasn't a drastic amount of weight, but it was um, for my body type. Uh, I guess it was pretty drastic and if you're talking percentages and things like that. Uh, as I had previous experience, I knew sort of exactly what to do. Um, I have a rough idea, obviously, of the macros and how many calories are going to be in that. Uh, I'm a little less scientific with uh, counting calories in the sense that I have a rough idea, so I'm not down to the exact calorie for that particular day. But I know, obviously because I'm pretty regimented with my breakfast. My breakfast doesn't change. I know how many calories are there. And then I was just being conscious with how many calories I'd have for lunch and dinner. Uh, as I've learned from previous challenges, well, what we've done in previous challenges, what we do out of challenges, myself, my wife, is basically what I cook for dinner will be for lunch. So again, I know exactly how many calories are in that. I know people like to bulk prepare. Uh, we just go from one night to the next and just whatever was for dinner is for lunch so you know how many calories are there and uh yeah for me in that six week block it was more so about consciously knowing how many calories i'm having and obviously to lose weight i had to reduce what my probably maintenance calorie intake would be but yeah i think that's summary of what you're looking for maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you really nailed it on the head when it comes to, uh, I'm going to say like weight gain in general, where it's it's never really like a, a really overnight experience where you go, oh, that's it. I'm on the, the beers and the pizza um, and that's it. It's all gone. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, geez, hello. Like, and you've gained an extra five, 10 kilos plus. Mm. It's those small decisions that we make where it might just be like, oh yeah, like the footy's on, I'll just have a, a you know, a few chips here or there, or like, oh, this is really nice. 
brand of um, muesli bar or something like that, that unbeknownst to you, high in calories, oh, I'm just going to have one of those every day. Or like, oh yeah, I really like a, a, you know, a bowl of ice cream after dinner or like, oh, I like a, a can of Coke at lunchtime. It's like those small little changes, which might equate to an extra 50 calories a day, 100 calories a day. But then when we think big picture and we go, okay, like a kilo of body fat is, you know, argue, argument's sake, 9,000 calories or 8.8. We go, okay, well, all you need to do is overconsume, you know, 100 calories every day for, for 90 days across three months and you've gained a kilo, right? Mm. So it's like those very small things over time that just kind of accumulate. And before you know it, you know, it's been like, two years we had that thing called COVID that came and hit us and all the other yeah. stuff in between and we go geez like it's been now two years uh i put on like eight kilos by only having an extra 100 calories a day for for, for two years which 100 calories could be you know a few bites of the of, of your kids food to finish your food their food off or it could be an extra piece of toast with butter in the morning or something like that and I don't, I don't mean to come across as like, oh, you know, you better watch everything because you, that's it. you're going to gain 10 kilos in a couple of years, but that's, that's how it can happen. And it's, it's okay if something like ha that happens because, okay, over two years, you might gain a couple of kilos, but hey, in six weeks, you can lose it all again. You know, all you need to do is just dial it back in going, okay, hold on, let's, uh, not finish the kids food let's put away the chips when we're watching the 40 let's not have a, a beer on the weekend and then before you know it, you go this is awesome because yeah. you, if it only takes an extra 100 calories each day over two years to lose uh, sorry to gain eight kilos in the other way it only takes 100 calories less per day over that similar time to lose that so it can just be a very small change like you know dieting doesn't need to be this massive oh my god of course, in the challenge, we, we want the, oh my God, because it's a competition. We're trying to get the best results we can in six to 12 weeks, right? Yeah. But long-term, it could be like, hey, like instead of getting a whole handful of Parmesan cheese on your spaghetti bolognese for dinner, just, you know, get a little pinch, a little sprinkle. Instead of dosing or dousing your food in, in olive oil, have it just a little, little, little drizzle on there. And these small changes can be really powerful over time, right? Exactly, exactly. Look, Tim, I want to speak quickly about challenges. So, you know, you're a challenge veteran. You've done a number of challenges with us. You're a training veteran. Um, you've been involved around training and fitness for a while. Talking about the six-week challenge, you mentioned that you're a little bit hangry through that time. Can you speak a little bit about some challenges uh, that you faced over that six-week period? I guess, uh, yeah, being hangry or hungry <laughs> uh, would be the number one. But I guess for me and in general, it's with any challenge or anything like that, as you said, the results are for that six to 12 week block, you know, you're going to be hang hungry. So you sort of got to uh, pre-warn yourself or, you know, um, that you're going to be hungry. And for me, I wouldn't say I was, I was drastically hungry at all. Um, because after, you know, that first maybe two weeks, your body sort of uh, readapts and, the first obviously week, week and a half, two weeks, yes, it was it was um I wouldn't say it was a struggle, it was just knowing that I was hungry. But then the probably the following four weeks was a lot better because my body had reacclimatized to saying, Oh, hey, okay, he's only putting this much calories into his body, so let's do X, Y, and Z to obviously utilize those calories. Uh so the challenge wasn't necessarily um 
being hungry. It's I think the challenge for people is knowing that you will be hungry and hunger is a good thing. Uh, for me, in my head, whenever I'm hungry, I, I say to myself, well, that's a good thing. It means obviously um, the challenge that I'm in, it, it, it's actually working. I'm going to be seeing the scales move down uh, and things like that. Um, I guess the other challenge uh, or challenges is knowing what to eat. Um, I've been, as I said, a, a veteran of the challenge, but I've, over that time I've accumulated that general knowledge of or you know what foods for my body anyway to eat and what to avoid um and those types of things so what i mean by that is like um i don't want to put a, a bad rap on them because carbs are very 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 important but uh for me in the challenge itself um i'll tend to lower carb and increase protein primarily because the types of carbs and protein I eat calorie wise is um, the carbs going to contain more calories. So I'd rather feel full um, and protein in general, the protein I have would be less in calories. And obviously um, I'll be able to eat a little bit more if that makes sense. Um, some people might be scratching their heads with that, but <laughs> basically uh, it allows me to feel like I'm eating more anyway. Cause I'm, you know, you know, a cup of rice, there's maybe a cup of chicken breast is going to be different in calories. So when it comes down purely in that challenge mode to calories, I'm going to be focusing more so on a, a higher ratio of protein to carb and obviously fats are in there as well. Uh, yeah, so because it was only six weeks, for me, I could chunk it into two-week blocks. Um, the first two weeks, obviously, going from, you know, I wasn't mapping my calories, but I'm sure it was anywhere between 2,200 to 3,000, down to about that first two weeks was probably hovering around 1,800. Um, your body feels it, but then after that first two week block and you, you could block it into two week blocks and slowly reduce. And it was actually um, not as it was hard, but it was not as hard as you think once you're actually in the, in the moment and uh, people ask, Oh, you know what the food's like and all that sort of stuff. But over those, over the years of, as I said, training and nutrition, you get a good understanding of how much is in what and um steer clear of you know processed foods and things like that in general um and your calories are going to be pretty i wouldn't say low but they're going to be a lot lower than when you as you said before adding parmesan or olive oil or dressing or sauces or things like that um don't get me wrong i did i did cook some things off the the app uh which include you know things like soy sauce fish sauce uh sweet soy and things like that but it's just the purport the the portion size that you use and you still get that flavor um, compared to when you just free pour or out of challenge mode and you just do whatever you normally do. The taste doesn't drastically change for you to then go, Oh, why did I pour so much out yeah. of the challenge versus in the challenge type thing? Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, and it all adds up. That's right. And it's funny that you, you could get a similar taste of, 
um, uh, let, let, let's say you love mayonnaise. Mayonnaise is really high in, in, in fats, high in calories. Um, this will let you, let's say you really love mayonnaise. Okay, well, what, is there a way that you could add that to your plan to make it make you stay more accountable, stick towards your meal plan? So you go, well, mm. instead of having a, a big hefty serve of mayonnaise, maybe you've got a big tub of mayonnaise, you get the spoon out, you're lathering it on, right? A bit disgusting, but sure. Um, hey, <laughs> no judgment if that's you. Um, okay, what if you, instead of getting the big ladle out, use a teaspoon, right? Instead of using the teaspoon, you use a squeeze bottle. Instead of using a squeeze bottle, is there a way that you could dilute that with a bit of water. So instead of having 100% mayo, it's maybe 50% mayo. So it's like, okay, could you still get the flavor of those things with a lot less? Um, but in saying all of that, I tend to find people get greater results by having that bit of restriction. Um, and in the challenge, we often teach, okay, maybe, maybe it's not the best to go full restricted, meaning, uh, you know, cut out entire macronutrients or entire, entire food groups or uh, certain foods that you love, because as soon as you cut out that mayonnaise, what's that one thing you're going to be thinking about? Oh, geez, I need that mayonnaise. But sometimes yeah. a hard and fast rule of going, okay, well, while I'm on the challenge, I'm going to say no to extra sauces, no to dressings, no to uh, second servings, no to, you know, any extras or fancy things that I used to have for the sole purpose of, I might not be able to control myself that well. So it's best just to uh, avoid it for that six or 12 week period. Um, and I know that, you know, all those little calories are going to add up. These are just low hanging fruits by just saying no to it so that I can enjoy things like that whole cup of rice or enjoy things like that whole cup of uh, chicken breast like you've been doing. And mm. I think we all have our own approaches to this, you know, dieting thing. We all have our own strategies to our fitness goals. Um, there's no real right or wrong as long as we're kind of abiding by a broader principle of, hey, let's manage our calories in versus our calories out. How can we put ourselves in this energy deficit so that we can see this weight loss goal that we're trying to achieve? Mm. Tim, I'd like to finish up here with some advice. Now you've offered us lots of advice over the years, um, but if someone came to you today and they wanted to lose weight, maybe build big quads like some of your students are at school, or <laughs> maybe they're about to start the, the challenge themselves, um, what advice would you give to that person? It's a good question. Uh, I know I've given plenty of advice before. I think it's just to anyone, it can be overwhelming uh, who's never sort of been in that position. Like if they've never been hugely physically active or they've never played sport or they've, it's like anything in life. If you don't really know anything about it, it's always going to be intimidating or daunting or overwhelming. It's sort of getting started is the first part, but you also need to, I guess, get at least one person or a few people in your corner or someone who's knowledgeable to help you get started. Uh, said in previous podcasts that you know the internet is is a good place to look for things but it can also give you misinformation as well so for someone who's whether it's a challenge or you know just to start a fitness journey or to lose a bit of weight you, you need to obviously start and then you need to try and be consistent as possible so you know some people and teenage teenage boys and teenagers i'm assuming in general they always want a quick fix uh they expect you know results in two weeks uh you know or three weeks or what have you it, it takes a lot of time and for someone who is whether it's a, as i said it's a challenge or they want to lose weight in general it's just being consistent over time um, if you have the knowledge and sure 
you need to, you can go in there and, you know, be consistent, stick to your goals, uh, um, turn up to the gym, all that type of things, all those types of things. Uh, but for someone who's, you know, completely overwhelmed or doesn't know exactly what they're doing, you sort of probably, you need that guidance and you probably need to get some professional advice over a period of time to then when you're comfortable to maintain it yourself to, to keep doing it that way. Um, I think from this podcast and from previous podcasts, people that do listen to them have potentially realized that uh, I I have the knowledge to um, tweak whatever I'm doing to get a result that I particularly want. Um, but for other people, obviously it can be hard. So I guess the overall message is if you're thinking about it, your body's obviously probably trying to tell you that it wants it. So go out and do it. I love that. I can put it. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. If you if you are thinking about it, you just gotta just go and give it a go, right? And yeah, it can be overwhelming, and you might not get it perfectly right the first time, or the second time, or the third time, or the first year, or the second year. But it's all about turning up every day, giving it a good go, and like you said, having people in your corner to help you, and you know, having the right resources available to you so you can continue to to grow, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know. For me in training as well, there's the flip side of that is I said, turning up, turning up. But sometimes, yeah, you have to listen to your body as well. There's days when I don't train. There's days when my alarm goes off and um, I probably psychologically talk myself out of it the night before. But um, yeah, you got to just listen to your, to your body and things like that. So if you're that type of person that's sitting there or thinking I've got to do something, I've got to do something, uh, you just got to start. That's the that's the thing. And I've had people, you know, at work and things like that, wanting to do things. Um, and I've always said I'm there every single morning. Turn up, I'll help. That type of thing. Um, there are people out there, and obviously personal trainers as well, that they want to help people who want to obviously obviously lose weight but have a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, I think that first step is always like if you want to help yourself there are people that are willing to help you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, look, Tim, let's wrap it up there for this episode. I want to thank you once again for taking time to to be part of the podcast, um, not only this episode, but in previous episodes as well. So if you haven't listened already, guys, go check out Tim Coakley's previous two episodes. Um, they're in the archives over the past couple of years. Um, Tim, I want to take a moment to congratulate you on an amazing result in the October challenge. And I would like to set you a goal, a goal to be our fourth time uh guest on this podcast so maybe we'll see you again on the podcast in the future what do you reckon yeah sounds good steve thanks for all the the kind words and um no not a problem helping out with the podcast i hope people who listen to this get something out of it um whether it's a little snippet that uh resonates with you i hope obviously it helps you on your fitness journey and uh yeah what is it now top 10 second third Maybe I'll come first. Nah, I won't. <laughs> Don't be like that. No, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do in the future. Right? <laughs> All good. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.